Hello, and welcome to Unsheet with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Oh, God. So, like, no lie, I went to see X-Men First Class, and it was, like, two minutes into the movie... And this, like, one woman, like, her phone's on, and she's, like, texting, and she's, like, right in front, and her screen is, like, just, like, neon bright, like, lighting up half the theater. And one of my friends, who is actually the son of a preacher, just, like, leans forward and just goes, like, turn off your phone! And, like, everything just goes, like, and just, like, and, like, everyone just sort of, like, all quiet. It's just, like, <laughs> that's how you do it. Yeah. Did um, did you see the, the YouTube video from the Alamo Theater in Austin, Texas? Yes. No. There's a... Go go look it up. They have a, they have a policy, and it says, we will kick you out if you, we find you using your cell phone in the theater. And they kicked out this woman, and they got a voicemail message from her. So they made a YouTube video of her voicemail, with her voicemail as the audio, and then their own commentary over it in <laughs> visual... <laughs> Go look it up. The Alamo Theater, Austin, Texas. It's great. Okay. Makes me want to go to Austin just to visit that theater. So thanks, everybody, coming. We're going to get started. And five, four. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Unsheathed, episode number 86. We're live in Denver at Rocky Mountain FurCon number five. I am the prodigal fox returning Kyle Gold. And I am the was begged for several months to come back Cam Hirosaki. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're delighted to be back here at Rocky Mountain Furcon with um, a, a very nice size audience here. I think this is probably the biggest audience we've ever had at this convention. Yes. <laughs> I think you are right, Kyle. <laughs> We've, we've replaced Cam Hirosaki with Robot Cam Hirosaki. Let's see if anyone notices. Um, I don't know. I think at least a couple of the listeners would be kind of turned on by that. But. Yeah, probably. <laughs> He's a robot otter? Oh. <laughs> Although, isn't here, is he? Okay, <laughs> you can edit out that name, right? Okay. Um, yeah, and I think the, the audience size is more function of the fact that this convention has really grown. Um, there is that. Yeah. Although you you have slightly more pull this year. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was uh, very kindly invited by the convention to be their guest of honor this year. Uh, one of the two. Um, thank you. Along with the very talented artist, Rukas. Um, we've... Yeah. She, she, she's not here, but uh, but we'll we'll show her some love anyway. Um, she's awesome. We've had a couple panels together, and uh, we actually have a, a, a good rapport. Not that you should be jealous, but... Uh, I'm not. I'm just pouring myself a glass of wine because I'm happy for <laughs> you. <laughs> um, but we've had, a, we've had a really good time. We're here at Saturday night of the convention, so um, it's, uh, this, is, this is like the high point, the climax of the convention, if you will. Will you? <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, I, I, you, no! That was just broken too, already. That was too whatever that was. <laughs> um, so, so KM, what have you been doing since our last show back in our mountain bunker? Oh my God! Like I, I think been I was in a World coma Mac. for a while, and <laughs> no, uh, I've um, I've been whiling away the summer doing work and. Uh, let's see. I've mostly been waiting on feedback for my novel manuscript, which has finally started to pour back in. It's all been very positive, so yay. Um, yes. Have, have you actually mentioned on the podcast that you finished a draft of Summerhill? Oh, I don't think I did. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did that. God, it was all just, it was just so long ago that I didn't remember. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been a while. Uh, but congratulations on that. That's awesome. And uh, glad the feedback is turning out well. I know I've enjoyed what I've read of it. Yeah, and no, um, uh, I'm hoping to have a edited, revised, rewritten draft done, like, early fall. Okay. I wanted it to be done by the end of the summer, but that's, like, in a month and a half, and I don't think I can do it that quickly. Yeah. It's really flown by. Yeah. Um, I've been I've the been very busy. didn't help either. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I've been very busy uh, preparing for Rocky Mountain FurCon. I had a new book come out at this convention 
uh, called In the Doghouse of Justice, which is a collection of League of Canids short stories, and some of which have been published before, but um, three new stories and the ones that have been published before have been kind of tightened up and toned down slightly to be more acceptable to an audience that does not need um, X-rated material. So the, the, I, the original I, versions are still available online. I say I, 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 I applaud the creative framing of the uh, illustration that goes with the History Channel story. Yeah, the History Channel story was a tough one to do because yeah. it's mainly nothing but explicit material, so I had to be very creative with that one. Um, but to find out what I did, you'll have to buy the book. Um, and so between that and the preparations for coming to the con and doing a bunch of panels, um, preparations for uh, some other travel that we've been doing and uh, working on some other writing experiments and revising a couple of other novels that I've been working on. Uh, other than that, I haven't been doing a whole lot this summer. So <laughs> No. I know, it's just been, it's been so quiet, but we are glad to be back in front of the microphones, glad to be in front of you people again, and um, I don't know, are we going to just start with taking some questions, or um, do we have stuff hmm. to talk about? <laughs> I was like, like, don't ask me, I missed the one on the little switchy thing. I don't know, what's that even called? <laughs> the switchy thing? <laughs> The mixing board? I know what it's actually. You mean our producer? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know that thing with the the thing with, with the with, thing with the headphones and the and other the, stuff and the beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's take some questions. So yeah. hopefully you guys came prepared with some questions because uh, otherwise we're gonna have to make up our own questions and ask them to each other, and I don't think that would be nearly as entertaining. Um, Depends on how so, late in the evening it gets. Well, that's true, and how low the wine in the bottle gets. Um, oh, I do have one thing, actually. Um, it is delicious. A, uh, a, a listener came in yesterday, and I was I was a man in the table in the dealer's room, and from the point I got there, through like an hour and a half, I had no time to do anything but sell books, which was awesome, and thank you all for coming by the table and buying things. Um, and somebody came up with this bottle of Coke Zero, and I was like, oh my God, bless you, I need this Coke Zero right now. And he was like, oh, it's for the podcast, it's a Japanese Coke Zero. And I was like, oh, I can't drink it now. So, um, but it is, uh, it is actually a real impressive bottle. Is there, yeah. is, may I ask you, is there anything in particular on there in Japanese that stands out um, that would be amusing to read on the air? Because I cannot read Japanese. Um, there is this one little thing underneath where it's talking about how it's a, a plastic bottle. It says, yes, recycle, no poiste, which means like, yes, recycle <laughs> this. No, don't just throw it on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> what does the little sticker on top say? Ah, uh, you have uh, one redeemable point at Coca-Cola.jp. Access now. <laughs> <laughs> Coca-Cola.jp, here I come. All right. Yes. I'm sure navigating that site will be no problem for you. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see anything else. What's, a, what's in the little bubble beside the logo on there in the front? Uh, that says zero sugar, zero preservatives, zero uh, added uh, flavorings. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this on the air finally after a day. It's cold. It was in a fridge. It was, but it's also at altitude now, and I'm never sure how that's going to affect it. Oh, God, you should have seen my bottle of conditioner yesterday morning. Yes, I saw it. All over me. Well, mostly well, just all over my Cheers, hand. everyone. I bet it tastes like Coke Zero, doesn't it? It does, but a little bit different. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of soy sauce in there. <laughs> Oh, it does taste different. You're right. Yeah. It's a little... I think I like it a little better. <laughs> now everybody... <laughs> kid has to clear his palate. Oh, that's what I'm tasting. It's vodka. Yes, it's made with real artificial sugar. I was going to say, it actually, it tastes... But, so does, does the American Coke Zero have sucralose in it? Um... It does. It's a blend of okay. uh, Ace K and Sucralose, I think. Okay, because that's what that. I was looking at the ingredients and they mentioned that. There. Oh, it's just that. Okay. I, didn't, I don't think anyway, I realized that. Um, the, the person who dropped this off, like, dropped it off on my table and I was really busy and then they were gone after that. Are they here right now? Are you here? No? Wow. Oh. 
Thank you, Anonymous Coke Zero from Japan Donor. Uh, if you come in later uh, or listen to this podcast later, um, know that your gift was greatly appreciated, uh, even though I kind of wanted it more at the time than I do right now. But um, we, we have other fun beverages. Should we, we do. Should we save those Would for you later? like to talk about the what you were drinking? Okay, so oh, what I'm drinking now? What I'm drinking here? Okay. Well, you can talk about the other thing, too, because well, I'm not sure the audience has really fully oh, appreciated no, no. the bottle in the center of the table here. First, though, this this thing that I'm drinking, this bottle of wine, which is not because I'm despondent that Kyle's going to leave me for Rukas. Um, <laughs> it's a Pinot Noir. We asked her for this has, podcast, but she couldn't make it. <laughs> it uh, <laughs> as you can see, or maybe not, it has a sea otter on the bottle, which is the wrong kind of otter. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, they're Is okay. there really a wrong kind of otter? Uh, I don't know, like small clawed otter? No, but they have small claws. Isn't that cute? Okay, the Amazonian, <laughs> okay. Uh, the Amazonian giant otters? Never mind. Otter on the bottle. <laughs> otter on the bottle. Drawn by... Oh, God, this was... Uh, it was drawn by Kinkit, wasn't it? It was. Yes. Kinkit, who you can also find in the dealer's room. Yes. Oh, you even credited the art tour, too. Awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They did not steal it for the wine. Okay. <laughs> no, you, like, I don't think I've ever seen like an art credit on a wine bottle, though. Okay. I'm just saying. But anyway, what kind of wine is it? It's a Pinot Noir, 2009. And how is it? It is actually very good. Actually, I don't know if anyone saw me when I first took a sip. I made like that face, like that ooh sort of face when I first tried it. He made his ooh face. My ooh face, which is different than another thing. Um, my my, my ooh. Oh, yeah. And and here in the center of the table, um, I, I will ask if Kit wants to give any more background on this. But uh, Kit... Uh, <laughs> it does speak for itself, Kit, Kit came back from the liquor store uh, earlier this weekend with a bottle of smoked salmon flavored vodka from the Alaska distillery um, which is a small independent company located at the foothills of the Alaska range where they handcraft spirits with ultra pure glacier water and the finest grains and apparently fish apparently (laughs) but it's from Wasilla, Alaska oh it's from Wasilla? I didn't know that so it's Sarah Palin salmon vodka? Ah, <laughs> oh, now I feel like unclean on so many levels. Um, it was uh, it was tried on a previous podcast, and uh, KM gave quite the run up to the <laughs> actual tasting of it, um, in which he was now, he went on at length about how terrible he was sure it was going to be, and even after uh, I told him with my vast knowledge of alcoholic beverages that it was not going to be that bad um, then he drank it and said oh, it's not that bad <laughs> I was like oh my god I'm gonna, like, if I drink this I'm going to throw up like don't make me do this I don't want to do that oh it's not bad <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the, the cap it's got like the big dipper with the stars pointing to Polaris which is the North Star Polaris the North Star um, while, he's, uh, while he's tasting the wine are there audience members who have questions for us Raise your hands. Don't be shy. Come on. Oh, there's one. There's one over there. Would you like to come up and... Uh, oh, it's this guy. ...approach the microphone? Are you going to taste that on the air right now? Yes. So I can, j- just to prove... As you can see from the bottle, it's apparently not terrible because over half of it's gone. Okay, and Hirosaki has poured a glass of the salmon-flavored vodka. He's drinking it. I do need to chase that with more wine, but it's actually not bad. <laughs> he, is, he has drunk it, thus proven yeah. that it is not that bad. And, it, and it, it actually does taste like smoked salmon vodka. I, like, that's really the only way I can describe it. Like, <laughs> if you, what, what is the logical midpoint between smoked salmon and vodka? This is. So, <laughs> please come up, introduce yourself, and ask us your question. Uh, I'm Hobbs Dog, and I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about your experience at Comic-Con, and uh, Rikoshi, what you were doing during that time as well, aside from Anacoma. It's okay. All right. This is why we have editing. Yes. That's okay. Yes. Um, so, uh, I was at Comic-Con this year for a couple days, and we did have a very interesting experience there. Um, I'll talk a little bit about kind of the more general experience, which was over the last few years as I've started to go to some of these comic conventions, um, initially the uh, <laughs> things going on behind me right now. Um, initially, the experience of going to a Comic-Con with furry material was 
um, you would get mostly people uh, walking by and saying, um, huh, what's that? And then just walking on past. More and more people have started to hear about it. They've started to recognize the material from one year to the next, and they get curious enough to come down and actually look at it. And most of the people seem to have pretty neutral to positive opinions. Um, even the people that come by and say, it's not my thing, don't say, you people are horrible freaks who ought to be locked away and shot. Um, so we, we feel that that's, uh, that's progress. Um, the specific interesting thing that happened at Comic-Con was um, last year, SoFool had their booth across from Penny Arcade, and the Penny Arcade guys recognized some of the people selling at Sofa Wolf, and Tycho of Penny Arcade, who was the right in half, um, said he was going to come by and look at the books. Um, he came by. Uh, he was mostly interested in the adult stuff. How um, did he phrase that again? He said uh, people were like, oh, well, we have these comics and these comics, and he was like, show me the... Uh, the weird stuff? Show me the weird stuff, yeah, something like that. <laughs> or like the the really naughty, not something, I don't, it wasn't naughty, the dirty or like the dirtiest the stuff, whatever. Yeah, he doesn't, he fortunately does not know the lingo that well yet. 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 Um, and he did, he was in, he was on his way somewhere, but apparently said, I will definitely come by and buy a, a book, and didn't, because, you know, as comic-con is huge and it's busy and it's crazy and people get caught up in things and you know before you know it it's sunday afternoon and everybody's packing up and then you're having dinner afterwards and you're going oh i meant to go back to that booth and do that thing um so he felt badly enough about it though that he mentioned sofa wolf in his um in his journal the monday after comic-con last year and so this year the sofa wolf guys went over to him and said hey so you're going to buy that book and he said, yes, pulled out 20 bucks and said, here, bring it over. And so they chose Vol, which was the one he had talked about. Um, his, was the, the his gay exact fox castle was, his exact, his, He said he was interested in furry fiction because he is interested in exploring areas outside his normal realms of thought. And he said, bipedal foxes having gay sex in medieval castles is about as far outside the realms of my thought <laughs> as it is possible to get. Um, which I would challenge, but um, I'm not sure he wants that to be challenged. Um, I know some of their so, some of their strips get pretty close to gay furry sex already. Yeah, we actually we have the the gentleman up front oh, here wearing the yes. Penny Arcade Dick Wolves shirt, um, which is also relevant to the story tangentially later on. Um, if if you don't know the whole Dick Wolves thing, um, they posted a strip in which they were they. They were making fun of a game in which you're not supposed to rescue prisoners. Well, or you only need to save a certain number. Right. And beyond that, you're not obligated to save more. And so it was <laughs> It was the hero, and one of the prisoners was like, please save me. And he's like, I've already saved enough people. And the guy was like, every night we get raped by the dick wolves. Um, which, which led to a sort of unfortunate escalation of stuff in which somebody wrote to them and said, you're making light of rape. And they said, we're not making light of rape. We're... we're you know, making fun of this game, and then all of Penny Arcade's readers, like, piled on to this person, and it became kind of embarrassing for for them, and they ended up pulling the shirts, actually, off their store, and... Um, they did have the, uh... <laughs> they did have the what? They had the, um, the counter-argument comic... Um, it's like, yeah. no, it's like we, we hate rapers and all of the rapes they do. Yes. <laughs> Which I, I think initially they were they were sort of I, I don't want to spend too much time speculating on it. Um, initially they were like, it's kind of silly that people are accusing us of being pro rape because of this comic, which I guess it kind of is. But then you know their readers went one too far, and um, anyway, it became it became just something that I think they're happier to have in the past. Um, although I did inscribe one of uh, the books that we gave to Tycho with. Um, hope this holds you over until I finish Night of the Dick Wolves. And, um, <laughs> oh, I, I had not heard that. That's a good one. And when he got the books, he got rather excited and said, 
is there anyone working on a Dick Rolls book? Because I know all about their ecology and their behavior <laughs> and, and their desires. <laughs> um, so he was, he was very entertained by it. Uh, I was a little bit worried that it might be sort of hitting a sore spot, but he was very entertained by it, so that was very cool. Um, the, uh, we, we threw in a free copy of Out of Position because, you know, Vol is kind of an early work, and it is, as I've said before at this convention, it is very full of to sex oars. Um, oh, is it the sex time? It is, <laughs> it is not the sex time yet. Oh, wait, we haven't had the... the, the it's the sex the chime. It's, right, right. Um, anyway, Out of Position being sort of the more popular one and, and perhaps of more appeal to them. Uh, anyway, so Tycho ended up tweeting a picture of Out of Position with the caption, startling, semicolon, incredible, um, which I took as a positive review. Um, and uh, subsequently, there was some back and forth because people were like, oh my God, that was retweeted and retweeted at me and you know, multiple times because uh, many furries read Penny Arcade. Um, and so then there was a little bit of, of a thing where um, I, I said that um, we had given the book to Tycho and then he was worried that people would think he was kind of trying to leverage his status as a famous person to get free shit. And, we were, and he was like, you know, I actually bought the book and you threw in that other one. I didn't ask for it. And so, I, you know, I wanted to make sure everyone knew the whole story. Like, we threw it in for free, and he didn't ask for it. Um, but uh, he later uh, wrote about the uh, book on his journal again and said, you know, I came back from Comic-Con with a pile of furry smut, as I usually do. <laughs> um, and But he actually said, he, he mentioned the book about the the Fox and the Tiger American um, having gay sex in football locker rooms um, but said he did not want to link to the author because he did not want him to receive um, what was it, something like undue attention or something like that. Yeah, so, like, yeah. And I think that went back to kind of being aware of the fan base and so it's, it's kind of interesting that I think he's um, he's legitimately interested in like what makes this fandom tick? Why are there people who want to read this kind of thing? Why are there people who dress up in costumes? Um, and sort of as a result of this Twitter feed, uh, he he emailed me a little bit and was asking about like, you know, why is your avatar fox? Which was a really interesting question that I think he didn't expect to get to sort of the heart of the fandom as much as it does. Because it's one of those things where it's like, if you could ask just one question, why do you represent yourself as an animal person? And that's kind of like, well, that's why we're furries. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the big and keystone thing. So, it, so anyway, it, it, it became an interesting discussion, but my, my impression is he's actually legitimately curious. He's, um, uh, I, I forget now what I, what I said um, earlier, but just just legitimately curious very nice person and really just interested in all kinds of things and this is just one of the things that he doesn't quite understand and he really wants to um so that was very cool um and i think it's i think it's somewhat indicative of the of attitudes kind of changing towards furries um not just in the mainstream which is you know kind of nice but whatever um on our our the thing that we've said is you know most furries are worried that if they say furry to someone in the mainstream people will be like you know outcast unclean um and in fact most people in the mainstream will be like uh you mean those guys that wear costumes sometimes or they'll just be like huh um most people don't really know most people don't really care but in the comics world which is sort of related it's nice that it's getting sort of more of the um equal treatment um um don't know what thing you're talking about uh, oh yeah I did get uh, it was no it was a, it was a tweet or something or was it a direct message I don't remember it wasn't a direct message uh, I did get one negative comment from someone but it turned out when I went to look at his feed he was just like um, he was tweeting to everybody like die for a fag and he had, that was like all he was tweeting so um, you know you'll have this um, but <laughs> but, um, but I think it's it, like like with you know we equate we equate fur being furry to being gay a lot and you know sort of the accepted wisdom in the gay community now is 
if you just present being gay as sort of a normal part of your life, then people will accept it as being a normal part of your life in the general course of things. And I think the same is kind of true of furry. If you come up there and you're like, and people are like, oh, what's that thing you're reading? And you're like, oh, this. It's nothing. It's it's nothing. It's just, uh, no, I'm, I'm into this really weird stuff. And you probably don't want to look at it. And it's just, uh, uh. Then they'll be like, oh, what are you reading? How bad is it? And their imagination will just go. If you just say, oh, it's just stuff with animal people. It's just the kind of thing I like. Do you want to look at it? If you don't, that's cool. And, uh, you know, whatever. Kaggle don't care. Kaggle don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I w- whatever. I was Here he is reading a book. Oh, oh look, he's on the subway. I was I, I was going to say, I'm, I know I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Throw an ice cube at that man. Um, so I don't know. What's your take on all that? Yes. KM. No. Um, Since I've been talking, no, I, I, I agree that Japanese there's Coke Zero. <laughs> I don't. I actually like. Whenever I'm in Seattle, I'm like, God, it would be awesome if we could just like interview him and like talk yeah. to him. Yeah. Like, because there's like totally like this like that could be a thing. Like, I think that would hit. Like, if if we like had like, hey, like we have one of the people from Penny Arcade on our show. Like, a lot of people would listen to that, and I think that we are really misrepresented and. A lot of that's due to other people misrepresenting us on our own behalf, and so I think that like having a sort of like, hey, you look, mean, us no, rep- us mi- misrepresenting ourselves or other people picking up sort of on the the whole furry shame thing. I, I think it's a little bl- uh, actually no, like we the fandom does have this component of like furry shame, and I really think that like we're at the point where we need to grow out of that. Yeah, and uh, and I'm not, I, I, I I'm not. I'm not sure if I think you agree, but I'm not necessarily advocating kind of the furry pride. Like, I'm going to wear my collar and my tail to work, and, you know, if anyone asks me about it, I'm going to show them F.A. and tell them to turn the adult flag on and, you know. You don't, like, shove it in people's faces. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, I, on my flight out to Anthrocon earlier this summer, you know, I ended up talking to the two people in my row. It was a husband-wife couple, and uh, it turned out that, you know, the the wife was also a writer because they're like oh like why are you flying uh, to pittsburgh and i'm like oh i'm going to a convention like oh what kind of convention and i'm like oh like it's called anthrocon it's like oh it's like it's like it's like a trade show i'm like yeah basically like for what i do it's like what are you it's like oh like i'm a, I'm a writer and an author you know i get stuff published i go here to help you know promote my work and i'm like oh like, cool what do you write and i'm like i write stories about animal people and they're like oh yeah. and they like thought that was interesting it wasn't like a why would you write stories about animal people <laughs> i usually i, I usually kind of do it in layers like you'll you'll say oh i write you know science fiction fantasy and if people aren't interested in science fiction fantasy they'll just be like oh okay and that's enough if they are then they're like oh what kind and then you're like oh i write stuff with animal people and you know, I had—I think I've told this story years ago where I told a coworker that I went to a convention, science fiction convention, and she was like, oh, what kind of science fiction? And I was like, oh, it's sort of the animal people-focused, anthropomorphic. And she's like, oh, a furry convention. <laughs> and I was like, so I there you go. I remember one time, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast or not ever, but I was putting in for time off at my old job. And it's like, and like my boss is just like, oh, like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, like, I'm just, like, taking a trip out of town. And then, like, he, like, looked at the day, he's like, wait, are you going to Anthrocon? (laughs) 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 And, like, my response wasn't, oh, no, he knows. I was like, wait, you know what Anthrocon is? Like, how do you know what Anthrocon is? I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, it's very entertaining. And he's like, okay. He's like, and he's like, wait, really? I'm like, yeah, really? He's like, oh, okay. And. Signed my time off sheet and gave it back to me. Like, there you go. <laughs> Bring me back some porn. <laughs> um, who else? Who's got a question? Dear, there? dear, dear, not cast. My boss asked me to buy him some cub snuff. What do I do? <laughs> we have a gentleman in the back. I think this is. I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. Danith. Danith. Yeah. How's the Coke Zero, by the way? The Coke Zero is awesome. Good. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm Dana. Was this uh, you're the one who brought this? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. You weren't here when I asked. You, you came and you I brought it and then ran away. Next door. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, poker so, was going on. Thank you very much. Lost, unfortunately. Oh, uh, yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh, I now think you're twenty percent poorer. So you're, you're <laughs> I know, you're, right? You're saying that the Bronies are losers? Yeah. It's harsh. Ah. <laughs> uh, wow, unsheathed listenership <laughs> dropped like sixty <laughs> percent. What happened? 
Uh, I, this may have been asked on a podcast a long time ago. I've been listening to your guys' podcast from like episode one when I'm driving. And oh, I'm stuff, so sorry. So. <laughs> I, like, get I started found, episode seven. I found, I found the first like five episodes. It took me a while, but I found them and I started there and I listened. It was somewhere weird too, but um, I found them. But anyways, <laughs> no, I think they've been pirated on anyways. some Russian archive. They just pirate anything now, even if it's free. But uh, this so this may have been asked a while ago, and it may have been why it popped in my head. But I wanted to ask when you pick characters, I'm curious about uh, when you assign a species. Like at what step in the character development process do you decide he's going to be a fox, he's going to be a wolf? Um, is it drawn from you know like Aesop's Fables? Well, the fox is clever. So if you have a clever character, well, he's going to be a fox. Is it that type of thing, or if it's just I like wolves, so he's going to be a wolf. Um, I know. We, I know we have talked about this before, but it's certainly have. worth going into no, yeah, it again. Definitely. Yeah, um, it's sort of part and parcel with just the rest of the character creation process for me. It's like I decide it when I'm deciding the rest of the details about them. Like you know, like what's their personality like? You know, how do they speak? What do they look like? What animal are they? Like that's just sort of all happens at the same time, and. I don't, and a lot of it's like, okay, like, clever fox, you know, playful coyote, that sort of thing. Um, But there are sort of personality types that meet with certain species better than others. And I see this in the fandom a lot. Like, you can, like, you know, like, like, look at your friends and, like, what species they are. And, like, you can sort of, like, tell, like, okay, yeah. And, like, you can sort of see a common thread. Like, hey, like, all of, you know, my wolf friends have this in common. All of my tiger friends have this in common. And, all right, here's a game you should you should play with the, you, your furry friends and people who aren't furry. Is pick a, like, non-furry person you know and have your non-furry friends, like, all secretly assign a species to that person. And, like, don't, don't, don't like, collaborate on it. Don't, like, huddle. Like, decide by yourself, you know, what species would this person be? And you'll be surprised at how often you'll all pick the same species for that person. It's actually really interesting. Yeah, and I think that's, that's one reason that there, there's a, not as big a diversity of species in the fandom. I mean, everybody kind of goes for, in general, sort of the North American carnivores um, because it's a North American-centric fandom and the carnivores are the cute and attractive animals. And then Laundry you've got... Laundry Canada Dances, motherfucker! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but also because um, the sort of North American-European... Um, Animal are animals are the ones that we have these associations with. We have these personality associations with. Like if I say someone is a wolf type personality, everybody has kind of an idea of what that means. If I say someone is like a platypus type personality, I know they have poison pla- spurs. But, I know, you know a platypus that, furry, but it's just like yes, <laughs> like because he's really weird, right? <laughs> Which, like, I think the platypus is God and or nature's idea of a practical joke. It's like, let's take duckbills, beaver tails, poison spines, web feet, eggs, and electrolocation, and all make one animal. Right. It was kind of like the, um, it, it, like, when, when you've got, like, those five little pieces of soap <laughs> left over and you kind of mash them all together to make one, um, anyway. But, um... Yeah, my my process is kind of the same, um, and I and we do have these sort of animal to personality correlations in our heads from fairy tales, from Aesop's fables, from Walt Disney, um, from all the stuff that we grew up with, and so when I'm thinking about a character, I think about not only what the character traits are, but also are you playing against type? Because you can have if I, I'm like this character is kind of. Um, you know, nice character, but a little bit slow. And, like, do I want that to be on type, or do I want it to be a little against type? Because you could make him a fox, and everybody's like, oh, he's a really sweet fox, but I keep expecting him to try to put one over on me. But no, he really is just a little slow. Um, or you could say, and I'm not going to pick whatever species it would be if it was not ironic, because I don't want to insult anyone out there in the audience who might be a deer. Oops. Um... <laughs> I heard the D sound and thought you were going for dragon. <laughs> he said that one, not me. I love dragon people and always have. Uh, dude, dragon man might breathe fire. wine. Yeah. Yeah. They breathe fire. Thumbs up for dragons. Yes. 
the uh, Unsheathed Podcast Loves Dragons, unlike some other podcasts. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah. Another thing sort of similar in that vein, we were talking about the... I'll I'll let you get back to that. I'm not super... I think that this is is sort of about the whole personality types and sort of like he's saying like oh there's sort of a smaller variety because we have these recognizable personality types to go to i think this is also why like a lot of like the furries who are in like their late teens early 20s tend to like change their species a lot for like a few years because at that age you're still trying to figure out what your own personality is yeah and like i'm not saying that older furries don't change what species they are ever but it's much more common in like younger people like i would say like between like 18 25 like that's where you're a lot more fluid as a person and it's like like wait like weren't you like a wolf like six months ago it's like yeah like now i'm a half dingo half fox it's like okay well in six months you'll be something normal and that's okay (laughs) we'll bear with oh what do you have against hybrids no, dude. One of my most popular stories is about a fall. Okay? I know, I know. Um, well, who gives lots of blood? Everyone jobs? knows I'm the one about. Uh, well, yeah. So it's not because anyway. No. Um, yeah, and, and like other things, I've I've noticed that in general there are exceptions, but in general, um, people who choose dragon personas tend to be on the younger side. Um, because that's a very like flashy sort of declarative, you know. I'm this kind of. It's also very persona. misunderstood high school rebel. It is also very sort of. And I don't mean that as an insult either. No, no, I know no. it sounds it's, like it, and, it's and not, it is worth giggling over. For but. those for those people who've settled on the, I mean, you know, we we have a friend who who settled on dragon persona much later in life, and that's great. You know, none of us believed him at first, but then like after a year, we were like, yeah, no. No, he is kind of a self-centered prick, so it works. <laughs> Does he listen to our show regularly? Uh, no, only when he's on it. Um, <laughs> oh, great. Narrow it down for the audience more. What? Okay. <laughs> um, Go back to talking, Kyle. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, no, no, no. And he'll... he'll it's, uh, he, it's just an entertaining kind of thing to watch. Um, so, you know, I tend to... I tend to limit my characters to wild animals, um, mostly currently alive. I don't use a lot of extinct species, but I tend to use the ones that recur in our mythology and in our fables and in our Disney cartoons and and whatnot. Um, And I tend to not use domestic animal characters uh, just because this game, there was a whole big thing that we were talking about where somebody said, um, well, if you have well, basically what I said is, if you end up having a husky character in your world, like a Siberian husky character, then your characters can't be eating meat, <laughs> um, which is a change which makes sense in my head, and I will try to explain it to you. Siberian huskies are domesticated species of dog, and the reason that characters in my world eat meat is because I have domesticated animals as separate, non-sentient kinds of animals. Like domestic cows are not cows that walk around on two legs like in a Gary Larson cartoon. They're just domestic cows. They're cattle. Um, and my reasoning is that wild animals evolved as continuing to be carnivores and as they evolved sort of along the same path that people did and developed societies and started agriculture and whatnot, um, there were these, there are these sort of non-sentient animals roaming around that they were able to domesticate and those animals never developed the sort of bipedal walking around on two legs it all to the extent that two-legged animal people make sense from an evolutionary perspective it does and like it does make sense like that used to not make sense to me it's like wait it's just like like why would some animals be like sentient and civilized and others weren't but i'm like well we have humans yeah but we also still have apes monkeys and like other simians and and so it's like okay like Okay, yeah, I will totally buy that now. So, um, so anyway, to answer your actual question instead of the one we kind of turned it into in our heads, um, I, I ringtails are hot. I write about them a lot. I try to I try to correlate the species to the character, um, and it's mostly a question of sort of flipping. If I sort of know what the characters like, and I kind of flip through species in my head until I settle on one that feels right, and I can't narrow it down any more than that. It's just after writing for a while, which is. You know, I tend to write about foxes a lot, and you could, you could say without being completely untrue that you know my default is well he's a fox until it doesn't make sense for him to be a fox, and then he's not. But hey, that's how I write. Okay, 
I think that's enough talking about that. Unless you yeah. have something no, to I'm say. Good. Next um, question. Yeah, come on up. Introduce yourself. You have a long name that starts with an X. Zeno. What's the rest? Of it? <laughs> <laughs> you only you only read the first four. That what's the rest of it? Uh, cutthroat. Okay. Um, I'm Zeno. Hi, Zeno. Uh, I was just wondering, like, who have you met, and at past cons, like Anthrocon and any other ones? But um, who's inspired you to create your writing or decide to be a writer rather than an artist? Hmm. Okay. So actually, this is an interesting question because for a few years I was actually trying to be an artist. You will not find my art anywhere online because it's not there. Um, (laughs) But I was sort of doing writing and drawing both at the same time for a while, and eventually it was just like I could tell that I was getting better at drawing, but writing I was already better at, and I had more fun with it anyway, so I sort of went off in that direction. But, um, you know... It's less people I meet who inspire me so much as it is being with other creative people in the fandom that inspires me. Like, I always leave, like, and come back from furry conventions being, like, really energized and really excited to work on stuff because, like, this is a group of people who gets it. Like, these are the people who, like, all right, like, they don't need to ask why are these animals. Well, they already know that. And so it's more like the questions that, you know, you get asked aren't like, well, why are you writing about foxes? Like, what's your audience? Like, it's more like, oh, hey, like, what are you working on? I really liked that last story you posted. Like, what's coming out from you next? And, like, that sort of thing. Like, knowing that there is this community out here that actively wants – because and that's, this is one of the things that I've, I know I've talked about on the show before. People are like, oh, like, how do you – like, what do you feel about going mainstream? And I'm like, well, like – I'm already writing for the audience that exists for the stories that I want to write. So I'm like, I don't think that I need to really worry about that. So like, you know, like I'm writing stories about, you know, animal people. Hey, look, there's a whole bunch of people who already want to read about that. Like, cool. Like I'm, I'm already okay with that. Um, and in a less ambiguous, uh, Kyle inspires me a lot, actually. Just, uh, no, he does. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because, I actually met him because he sent me an email out of the blue one day and said, "Hey, I've read some of your stuff online. You know, I think that you know, like you you know, you do some really good stuff." I'm like, oh, I th- you know, I, I checked out your stuff that you put up online. I think you know, you've got some good stuff." And this is like the like like shining moment of humility here. This was like a week or two before I left for Anthrocon. This was Anthrocon 2005, which was the last year it was in Philadelphia when it was at the Wyndham. If anyone remembers that. Um, <laughs> So I go there, and I'm at the uh, SoFWolf press booth because that was the year that Heat 3 with the Adam Wong comic was released, so everyone was at that uh, table buying that. Um, and while I'm there looking at it, and I see this thing, it's like, this, like you know, it's like, Vol by Kyle Gold. And my first thought was, son of a bitch, he didn't tell me he wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't so seem I, relevant. So I bought it and I started reading it. And like by the time I had gotten home, I had finished it and I sent him this email. And I'm just like, first of all, I'm very angry. You didn't tell me you had a book out. Uh, I think that was the first time you called me a son of a bitch. I did, actually, but not the last. <laughs> and um, then, like somewhere in the midst of our back and forth, like we realized that we lived 15 minutes away from each other. And so it's just like, and it's like, and he's like, oh, it's just like, and I asked him like, do you want to like get dinner and like meet up? And he's like, okay, sure. But I'm bringing my boyfriend just so you don't get the wrong idea. <laughs> and I'm like, no, go ahead. So we went up for dinner. And then after dinner, Kit brought me home and gave me wine. And that started us being best friends. <laughs> uh, because I, I, I will just point out that over email, you can't tell the difference between, hey, do you want to meet up and get some dinner? And, hey, you want to meet up and get some dinner? <laughs> so... Also, and if I hadn't clarified that and you had just shown up, considering how super gay I was blinged out when you showed up at the restaurant. Yeah, that was that was interesting. It was like, I'm gonna look around, I was just like, no, that's him. Like, I don't even need to ask the waitstaff. He had he had the fingernails all painted. My up. fingernails were he purple. Had the pride necklace on. I had a pride necklace and a pride, and a bracelet, pride bracelet and a fox on. Around yeah. So it's like, oh, that's the gay furry. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> one of the cases in which it was good that most mainstream people do not wear 
Pratt jewelry and animal jewelry at the same time. Uh, made it very easy to pick you out. Yeah. Um, so I had a um, glass of Chateau Saint Jean Gewurztraminer meter I was drinking when I met In the, uh, I, I also I also had um, sort of dabbled in drawn. I think everyone in the fandom dabbles in drawn at one point or another because it's such a visual medium. And so um, I will say that one of the people who inspired me to become a writer was actually um, uh, probably Ken Ket because. I was still sort of thinking I could draw, and then I saw the stuff she was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, at least I know I can write. <laughs> and, uh, and maybe I should just take care of that and not, uh, not try to, you know, reach beyond my abilities. Um, people, at, uh, it's, I, my answer is almost identical to KM's, um, except that... Uh, the, except for the specific people that inspire me, but um, just going to conventions, and this is my abbreviated, furry is awesome because everyone is so creative because we don't have this sort of base material to derive our fandom from, and I've been hearing actually like in the last six months that the word fandom is actually not an appropriate term for the furry community because what are we fans of? The um, Disney's Robin Hood? No, actually, I think, Lion it was, I think it was uh, Mark Evanier at Anthrocon was explaining it and I think the the phrase he said is, is they're fans of each other and I thought that was really cool that is cool um but uh but anyway I mean the community is so creative and we just see all these things coming in I mean you walk around the dealer's room and there's people making jewelry there's people making stuffed animals people making tails um people writing books there's now like um plenty of there's there's two major furry publishers and there's a few major furry comic and book distributors there's just um there's everything there's we have you know someone in the audience there's this like furry dance community now going on um which we found for the first time at fwa and i think i talked about on the podcast which was yeah kit is uh kit has a crush on one of the furry dancers which is which is very which is sweet and amusing um but the um you know the but so i i just get inspired and um getting to meet the people at conventions who come around uh, i mean you guys who come to the show you guys inspire me um because getting to meet the people that your work touches who are fans of it who come by and tell you how much it means to them um that makes me want to do more um yeah our first live podcast at rain first oh nine like blew my mind it was really I was like cool. why is there this room full of people here to listen to me and my friend talk in front of microphones for an hour and like, oh my god what are we gonna do <laughs> <laughs> what the hell um but uh but also um i do want to say you know cam kit kit inspires me i've said that many times um, just by being such a large part of my life and the, the kind of life that I want to live and that I want to tell other people about. Um, I, I honestly feel like I didn't have that much to convey to the world before we started uh, going out. Um, so that's been real important. And having KM in our, uh, and KM in particular and then you know the couple other people in our little writing group um, just having other people to sit around and talk about stories with and talk about character development and not just what are we working on now, but what can we do better? What would be a cool thing to try? Um, hey, how did this story do when you posted it online? And um, what did you, what reactions did you get? And hey, people really seem to like ringtails now. Let's write stories about <laughs> ringtails. And that's plus, just I got, I got, He keeps yeah. trying to get everyone else to write stories about his ringtail characters. I got to read Isolation Play like nine months before any of the rest of you did. <laughs> <laughs> and you read it three times. <laughs> I did. I did read it. Like, and I wrote you giant notes on it every time I read it, too. So. Yes, you did, which were very helpful. Um, <laughs> Some of them were helpful than others. Yes. There was one where there was this <laughs> one page where I had a giant red star at the top of the page, and then in all capital letters with arrows pointing down, it said, make sure you get blotched to draw this scene. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. And as it turned out, I didn't have to make them do it because they wanted to. So, it was um, such a good that scene was, to that illustrate, was, too. That was great. Um, 
That was should we tell them which one it was? Um, that was yeah. the that was the devs on the phone scene. But, yeah, um, yeah. If you've read if it, people you know. who've read it, you know. If you have to ask, you'll um, never know unless you read the book. In which case, now you'll know. And uh, but uh, and there's and we've talked about the writers who inspire us, um, the people that we read, where we're like, oh my god, I want to be able to write like that, and how. You know, like, how does David Mitchell? Yeah. I like how you said like people are sick of hearing me talk about David Mitchell and Kazuhisi Guro by now. Yes. So let me try to talk about someone else. Yes, um, I, actually, who I've been reading lately, who I hadn't actually read before until a couple of months ago, is uh, Jim Butcher and the the Dresden books. I'm only on like book six, so no spoilers. I know the new book just came out, and like my roommate read it in like three days. Um, but no, like he does a lot of great things with pacing and action that really impressed me where it's like I've, it, I've, it was uh, it was the second book Full Moon like where I was like reading I'm just like oh my god I'm just like like everything's like really like building to a head and like wait I'm only halfway through this book and I feel like I've already hit the climax how are they going to keep oh that's how it keeps ah and just like <laughs> like that to me is re- like I, I read that I'm like I want to be able to do that I want to be able to like have people go like oh my god where can this possibly go from here oh there like yeah. I like that's something that's like really neat that's cool um yeah I have um I've been trying to read a little bit more um diverse people uh Ah, uh, crap! What was her name? Uh, the the book that um, you conveyed to me from uh, Kamui. Oh, that was the God in shoot. Flight. Is yeah, the name of the I book. remember the, name of the book. Laura, I forget who it wrote. Who wrote um, Albright? Something. That like sounds that. about right. It's something like that. The title of the book is The God in Flight. It's a 1880s gay romance that takes place around uh, Yale University, and it is way better than I just made it sound. Um, <laughs> It is, and it is really just, uh, I, I had to stop reading it in the middle of it because I had to go focus on other projects, and uh, it is one of those books that I cannot wait to get back to. Um, the way, and it's, it's one of the books, it's written in kind of this Victorian style, which is interesting, as I've talked about before, I'm writing a sort of historical kind of novel, and so the way people can use these sort of, huge long paragraphs of description and internal emotion that was all sort of the rage in Victorian era is just fascinating to me because I cannot do that and so I'm reading this and I'm kind of like I really want to learn how to do this Um, at the same time you know one of the things that I've I think and I think I mentioned this on the podcast because I picked this up back in March the quote from Faulkner oh right that basically says don't waste your time trying to be better than other people be better than yourself and you have to recognize that you are you do certain things well and you can always do those things better there are people that do lots of other things well that you cannot do well and you know focus on the stuff that you can do because no one else can do that um so that also is kind of inspirational to me and i think a large part of being a writer is is kind of going through these early phases and figuring out what it is that you do well um, because you will love many books, um, and um, Ira Glass calls this the um, the creative gap, something like that. There's this gap because you get into a field because you love the work being done in the field, but at the time you get into trying to create your own work, you are not as good as the people that you like, and you become aware of this gap, and you have to push past it because you will get better. Um, but I think a lot of being a writer is finding out what you do well and what you enjoy doing and just focusing on that. So in that respect, um, I don't know. That's Where inspiring. am I going with that? That's inspiring. Yay. Also, just real quick, uh, I just looked it up. The uh, the <laughs> author that Kyle was mentioning, it's uh, Laura Argiri. Argiri. A-R-G-I-R-I. Yeah. So look that book up. That is some, uh, that is some good stuff. Uh, one more question? One more. One more. Oh, we have two. All right. Come on up. And and uh, whoever was in the back, come on up also. We'll do... Oh, it's just Zia. <laughs> oh, it's just Zia. All right. Zia, you got to be on our podcast. <laughs> so I've never actually uh, listened to any of your shows before. This I sort of came here on a whim. Okay. Uh, um, what's your name? My name's Belier. Okay. 
Bighorn sheep. Um, <laughs> cool. So I love bighorn sheep and all hoofed animals, as everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and you had Father Joe in Waterways. That's what I keep telling people, but it doesn't seem to impress them. <laughs> so you mentioned it was mentioned uh, the whole artwork thing, but art in itself is sort of a very wide variety of things. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, at the beginning, before even recording, you were singing, yeah. and I was actually wondering. <laughs> Do either of you two have a musical history? And there's a second part to that, which is, do you think that there's any um, a, a sort of growing of music in in the community, in the furry community? Um, oh, that's a good question, actually. I'm going to answer the, the second one first, because I think it's a more interesting question. Um, I think there's definitely a growing musical community in the furry community. Um, you've got... I, I'm, I could rattle off some names but then I would definitely be leaving some people out but um, people are uploading music to FA um, people are uploading music to YouTube um, you've got people releasing albums and I mean we've had I'm just uh, the, the people that have been performing live music at conventions that I've been to in the last year um, Matthew Ebel, uh Sublevel 3 um, Bucktown. Bucktown Tiger yes um, we had uh Colson on our podcast, and he did the theme music at the that we play at the beginning of every episode. Um, Fox and Moore does has released albums online. Um, I said I wasn't going to name people, and now I am. But um, so sorry, anyone I'm leaving out. But um, the tricky thing with that has always been how do people make music furry? And like uh, I know specifically, like Fox and Moore does instrumental pieces mostly, and. It seems to be mostly furry because he's furry. And uh, I kind of think that's enough. That it's music created within the fandom for the fandom. Um, and I think that's kind of cool. And I, I don't envy them the, the task of trying to tailor their music to a furry audience when, you know, you could say, well, this is created by a furry, but then there's these other four artists who are creating the same kind of music who aren't furry. And, you know, you can kind of play them interchangeably and you know how do you how do you make furries listen to your music um bucktown and sub level three and matthew emil all do it by lyrics um and but uh i don't know what are your thoughts um so no i i agree with all that there with the it's, it, it is hard to pin down what makes the music furry and again, I think that in a lot of sense, like he said, you know, it is enough to know that this is somebody from within your own community who's doing it, and that's that, that's fun and cool to be able to support. Um, They're apparently cleaning the carpets <laughs> behind us outside the door. And this this sort of leads back into the first part of the question, but um, I don't have a oh, hold on. <laughs> Yay, Kit! This is why he's the alpha wolf. Yes. <laughs> I, like, I got shut like out by a furry. Furries. <laughs> no, but um, I'll try to keep this. Brief meanwhile, now. back at the podcast. Meanwhile, back at the podcast. Um, oh, why is the wine gone? Um, no, oh, don't make me. Oh. All right, mix it. Mix it with the Coke Zero. No. Oh my god. But it's Japanese. It it's, goes with raw fish. It's, let's see. It, it's, it's Japanese and salmon flavored, and I'm on a. Oh my god! It's the me drink. You turned me into a drink. No. Okay. Um. So you know there, there's there's already the the cow gold cocktail, which is uh, one part diet Dr Pepper to three parts Coke Zero. So now there's the Kamirasaki, which is vodka, salmon flavored vodka, and Japanese Coke okay. Zero. I will point out. So it might only ever be available right here at this table. So no. So there's <laughs> Kyle wrote a sex story about me uh, <laughs> that involves to, one of the to do these things. that involves one of the drinks that they made at the hotel bar where Rain First used to be held. It's called the Rain City Punch, which I believe has vodka in it. And in this story, I remark about like the salmon flavor of it. And it's like, now I can actually make a salmon flavored Rain City Punch. And that's horrifying. <laughs> um, because he's an otter, so yeah. I figured he'd have a fish flavored drink. You know? Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> what? Why is this thing a thing? 
We are we're, we're going uh, to try the KM Hirosaki cocktail uh, here on the. <laughs> all right, for the first time ever. If I throw up did, did, all over this table, Kit, you actually, Sora and I did you apologize. Try <laughs> yeah, Kit. Wow, that is bizarrely not terrible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Although it is really weird. <laughs> like platypus weird. <laughs> and he finished it, no less. All right. Oh, yeah. So I was talking about getting back to things. So I don't have... A you can't actual- just go on like nothing no. just happened. I just drank salmon and Coke. What do you want? <laughs> I don't know, but I want more than just Why is getting back to the discussion we were having. <laughs> like, no, it really does feel like I sort there of an like. Aftertaste? Yeah, it's an aftertaste of salmon. <laughs> no, no, it really is. Like, it really does feel like I just took like some locks, like a lock spread, smeared it on my tongue, and like downed it with a thing of coke, and that's what my mouth tastes like right now. I will point out. Nowhere in this equation does the flavor of vodka come in. <laughs> and this is, yeah, it's 80 proof. Mm. Oh my god. Don't ever mix me one of those or I will kill you. <laughs> uh. So, hold on. Three, two, and back to normal. Um, I don't have an actual music background, but I do do karaoke. Uh, I do it pretty regularly. I used to do it regularly a long time ago, and I sort of fell out of it, but I've recently gotten back into it. And weirdly enough, at the karaoke bar I go to, I was talking to someone who isn't a furry, but we were talking about music, and he was talking about instrumental music, and at one point in the conversation, he's like rattling off names, and then he says, Foxamore. And I'm like, wait. And so, like, I, I stop him, and I ask him a couple of questions that basically, like, Nurse is like, no, you are talking about the Fox and more I'm thinking of. Like, oh, my God, how do you know who this person is? But That's awesome, actually. And he has a lot of very, very flattering things to say about him. Um, Fox and more is fairly awesome. No, yeah. Way. Like, Fox and more is pretty If you have cool. not checked out his stuff on FA, it's Fox, A-M-O-O-R-E. All one word. Um, do go check him out. But, yeah, no, so, um... I do, you know, I, I I do really like to sing, and like a lot of people like they like her her like like I I won't lie, karaoke is a funny thing, and a a lot of the fun of karaoke is watching drunk fools make like drunk people make fools of themselves. Um, but I mean, when you do it regularly, it starts to become a like you start thinking like, all right, what what songs am I good at? What songs am I going to be able to sing well? And like, there are some people like who are like you know who go to the the karaoke place i go to and it's just like wow like you are like really good like you see people on like american idol auditions it's just like no like these people like that sing in this dive bar in california it's like no like you know how to sing uh there's actually a karaoke competition in like three days back in the san francisco bay area that i'm going to enter i don't expect to win or even place or anything but i'm going to do it because it sounds like it'll be fun sounds fun like I said, you know, don't try to be better than other people. Just try to be better than yourself. Yep. And I just want to go there and, you know, my goal is don't get laughed off stage. <laughs> Which is a, an admirable goal. Which, I mean, some people here heard me singing before we started recording and nobody was like, oh my God, what are you doing? People seem, people are like, no, keep singing. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. And I'm like, I'm not going to sing louder for you. And then I did because I count out of peer pressure. <laughs> yes, because you're an otter. Yeah, I'm all pushable and... Yes. Now I've had Flexible. wine and Flexible. salmon flavored vodka and Sam and I. Oh, got to put myself a shot of it too. <laughs> <laughs> and may I just say, you left salmon breath now, so you're very odorific. I. Um, I I had kind of the exposure to music that most middle class American kids I don't have. Have otter breath. Like I took. <laughs> I took piano lessons and uh, played an instrument in school, and um, we play rock band from time to time, and um, I can hit some of the notes when we sing, and um, I can sort of hit drums, and that's about it. Sometimes we duet. Sometimes we duet. Um, when, we do, when we do Meatloaf's Paradise by the Dashboard Light, I'm the girl. <laughs> 
I'll just leave that statement where it is. Um, I think um, we're probably about out of time. So, um, Zia, you'll have to save your question for another podcast, I'm afraid. Or ask us afterwards. Or ask us afterwards, which would be <laughs> just as entertaining. Um, Kyle. What? <laughs> well... No, if we're not going to share with the people on uh, listening online later, why would we share it with you? Um, <laughs> he's getting he, no, he's getting he's getting amusing text messages, basically calling so, him a lifestyler for his somebody, autograph. Somebody, someone in the audience who shall go unnamed just texted me and accused me of being a lifestyler for having otter breath. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we would like to thank all of you for coming and spending an hour and 15 uh, minutes or hour and a half, whatever, of your Saturday night at a convention with us. Yeah. Um, we love the company. As we said, um, y'all are very inspiring to us. You make us keep wanting to do these podcasts and keep writing and getting our stuff out there. Um, we are, uh, let's see, we are unsheathed on Fur Affinity. Uh, mostly all we post there is sort of the links to the show um we're on itunes if you don't want to go onto itunes go on to fur affinity and look at one of the journals we have the link to the rss feed up there if you give us fan art we will post it we will post fan art um we have a we have a, a tradition at uh some of the conventions that people draw fan art during the live shows and then um fluster us with it afterwards um or during um i am kyle gold on twitter and i'm kyle gold on live journal Although I'm, I've moved my blog kind of, but it still posts there. It still posts there, yeah. I'm Kyle on Fur Affinity. I am KM Hirosaki on Twitter, Live Journal. Fur Affinity. Fur Affinity and <laughs> So Furry. And, uh, and Kit is Kit Silver on Twitter. And uh, I think that's it. If. Um, if any, if anyone in the audience is over twenty-one and would like to try the Wasilla Alaska smoked salmon vodka, it's going fast. Um, <laughs> I am amazed that like I thought we were gonna, like I was going to have a ninety percent full bottle of salmon vodka at the end of the weekend and just pour it down a drain. And I think we're going to finish it. Um, you may uh, come on up after the show to try it out. You people listening at home. Um, Check your local liquor store if you happen to be in the Denver area. Alaska Distillery. Or Alaska. They have them in Texas. They have them in Texas oh, also? Oh, wow. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Yeah. Um, well, again, thank you all for attending. Thank you all out there in the podcast ethosphere for listening. I just want to say before we close, I have really missed getting to podcast with Kyle here. Uh, I've missed it. It's a hallmark this moment. Is, no, it's not. It's, this, this, I, I have a lot of fun doing this, so... You're getting drunk and maudlin. <laughs> I'm not being maudlin. I'm happy and smiling know, and perky. I, know, I, know. I don't know. Kit saw me drunk and maudlin a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. At the karaoke we bar, actually. We won't revisit, we won't revisit that. Um, thank you, everybody. Good night. And remember, keep writing. <laughs>